ICE typically detains asylum seekers in inappropriate prison-like conditions, in many cases, even after a person has been found to have a credible fear of return. Hello and welcome to the USERF Spotlight podcast, a weekly podcast series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each week, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Now here is the host of our show, USERF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, to lead today's discussion. Welcome to USERF Spotlight. Since our earliest years of existence, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom has monitored and made policy recommendations relating to the U.S. government's treatment of asylum seekers in expedited removal. Expedited removal is the U.S. immigration law process that allows officers in the Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, to quickly deport non-citizens who arrive at U.S. ports of entry or cross the border without proper documents unless the non-citizen can establish a credible fear of persecution or torture. The Commission's statutory authority, uh, the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998, also known as IRFA, authorized USERF to conduct a study on the processing and detention of asylum seekers in expedited removal. USERF issued its first major report uh, in 2005 on this topic, finding major concerns that successive administrations have largely not addressed. Since then, USERV has issued several follow-up reports, most recently in 2016, and we continue to monitor the implementation of USERV's recommendations on this topic to this day. Since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, the US government has expelled most migrants and asylum seekers who try to enter the United States under a public health authority referred to as Title 42, rather than under expedited removal. Beginning in mid-2021, the Biden administration resumed using expedited removal in some cases and is planning to lift Title 42, the Title 42 order soon and return to using expedited removal more broadly. Today, we're fortunate to have with us my colleague Elizabeth Cassidy, USERF's Director of Research and Policy, to discuss our concerns and recommendations about the treatment of asylum seekers in expedited removal process. And she's uh, been the author of numerous reports that USERF has done on this and worked on expedited removal issues since 2007. Elizabeth, welcome back to USERF Spotlight. Thanks, Dwight. Um, Thanks for having me and happy to be here. Well, good. So you're uh, the person to ask this question. Could you share with our audience uh, how the expedited removal process works? Yes, absolutely. Happy to do so. It's quite a complicated process um, involving multiple agencies in both the Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, and the Department of Justice, um, DOJ. And I'll talk a little bit about sort of each one and and their role. So first, within DHS, uh, the agency called Customs and Border Protection, or CBP, first encounters non-citizens when they try to enter the United States. Then Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, is the one that detains and ultimately deports them if they are deported. For those who, who ask to seek asylum, DHS's U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, or USCIS, does an initial screening review. 
if the person passes that screening review, then it's the Executive Office of Immigration Review within the Department of Justice, which is known as EOIR, that hears and decides those cases. So the way this all works is when a non-US citizen who doesn't have proper documents to enter the US, i.e. doesn't have a valid visa or valid passport, et cetera, um, arrives at either a port of entry or, or tries to cross the US border, a CBP officer, they're, they're apprehended by CBP, and a CBP officer conducts an, an initial interview. As part of this interview, there are certain protections that are in place to ensure that asylum seekers are identified and protected. So for these reasons, as part of the interview, the CBP officer has to explain to the person expedited removal and its consequences, advise them to ask for protection without delay if they have any fear of returning home, and ask the person four questions about fear of return. After this interview, CBP turns the person over to ICE for detention. If, however, the person in that first interview expressed a fear of returning home, a USIS asylum officer will then conduct a screening interview of him or her to determine if their fear of return home is credible, meaning does the person have a significant possibility of establishing legal eligibility for asylum? If, as a result of that interview, the USIS asylum officer finds that the person has a credible fear of return, then the person is placed in removal proceedings before an EOIR immigration judge and can apply to that judge for asylum. ICE can then release the person from detention while the case is pending, but this could be months or given current backlogs, even, even years. If the USIS asylum officer in that credible fear interview has not found the fear to be credible, then ICE deports the non-citizen. If a person is deported under expedited removal, they are subject to a five-year ban on readmission to the United States, and if violated, um, may result in criminal prosecution and a permanent ban. So those are the, those are the consequences of, of, of this process. Well, definitely a very complicated process as you just outlined. Um, can you explain why Congress uh, in the uh, International Religious Freedom Act asked USERF to examine uh, the treatment of asylum seekers in expedited removal? What, and what were the concerns and, and where is the overlap here with international religious freedom or is there? Uh, what specifically did IRFA uh, ask USERF to do? Yeah, that's a, that's a great um, uh, question. And, and, and some of it is, is about the timing when all this happened. So when IRFA was enacted, which was in 1998, expedited removal was a very new process. It had been created as part of immigration law reforms in 1996. Um, given that, um, as I mentioned, this, you know, this process allows um, people to be deported without potentially ever seeing an immigration um, judge if, you know, if they don't make it to that stage of the process. So given the severity of the consequences and the fact that individuals fleeing persecution, whether religious or other persecution, typically do not have a valid visa or, or potentially valid travel documents, Congress was concerned that um, uh, bona fide asylum seekers, so people people who really are potentially subject to persecution in their home country, could be erroneously returned. So as I mentioned, Congress included in the expedited re removal procedure these protections, these questions that are, are, are supposed to be asked and information that is supposed to be um, given to ensure that 
asylum seekers are being identified and protected. So Congress wanted to make sure that these procedures were working as intended. And in IRFA, um, uh, interestingly, so there's there's a, a section of the statute that deals with these refugee and asylum issues, and that's where the, the provisions are about the expedited removal study. Congress, in addition to asking USERF to do this study, um, they also asked um, the controller of the currency, the general, uh, the Government Accountability Office, um, to, to, to also look at expedited removal, which, which they did in those early years as well. Um, so there is a tie to international religious freedom in that individuals fleeing religious persecution, if they show up at the US border or, or at an airport trying to enter the United States would be subject to this provision, but, it, but it's also um, broader than, than that. I mean, expedited removal obviously would apply to people fleeing other forms of persecution as well. So in the statute in IRFA, which is mostly focused on, on religious freedom issues, obviously, this request about the study of expedited removal to USERF is broader than just people fleeing religious persecution. What Congress asked USERF to look at was four questions about how DHS officials were implementing expedited removal. And those were, one, were DHS officials improperly encouraging asylum seekers to withdraw their applications for admission? Two, were DHS officials incorrectly failing to re refer asylum seekers for credible fear interviews? Three, were DHS officials incorrectly removing asylum seekers to countries where they may face persecution? Or three, were DHS officials incorrectly detaining asylum seekers under improper or inappropriate conditions. Yeah, very interesting uh, and, and uh, you know, gets to the detail of how this is related uh, to international religious freedom, people come in, but even more broad. Can you provide uh, a little of the background on how USERF conducted its research uh, into the expedited removal process to produce these uh, detailed reports and then updates uh, over the over the years. And what what did that research largely reveal? Yes, yeah, happy to talk about about the the, the research more. So the first USERF study, as you mentioned in the intro, um, was released in two thousand five, and for that there was a large research team which observed more than four hundred um, Customs and Border Patrol interviews of. Um, uh, non-citizens at seven ports of entry. They also reviewed more than 900 case files and visited or surveyed 25 detention facilities and all US CIS asylum offices. Um, the subsequent research that we've, we've done over the years at, at various points um, has not been quite as extensive, um, but, um, but, but has involved firsthand research. So the, um, the, the more recent research mostly took place between 2012 and 2015, um, culminating in a report in, in, in 2016, although there was also an interim report in 2013. Um, as part of that, USERF staff observed expedited removal processing at five different ports of entry, four border patrol stations, and five asylum offices. And we also visited 15 immigration deten detention centers around the country. In addition, we interviewed detained asylum seekers, met with DHS officials, and also met with immigration attorneys, asylum service providers, um, and we reviewed public information. So over the years, this research has found major recurring problems in four broad areas. Um, the first is related to the way CBP processes non-citizens. Um, so when, when CBP sort of first encounters people and, and um, 
and interviews them to determine if they um, uh, if they are asylum seekers potentially or or if not. So the problems that we saw included things like non-compliance with required procedures, including giving the information that's supposed to be given, asking the questions that are supposed to be asked, those sort of things. Um, incorrect record keeping, including things like not actually recording um, answers that were given or questions that were asked properly. Um, inadequate training and quality control. Um, so uh, um, uh, a major issue over the years. Um, and, and finally, we also saw and were concerned about officers, CBP officers skepticism, if not outright hostility toward asylum seekers and asylum claims. Um, the second major recurring issue um, we saw relates to asylum seekers inadequate understanding of the process. Um, including their rights and responsibilities and, and, and next steps in it. As I talked about um, earlier, uh, expedited removal is a very complicated process and it has serious consequences um, uh, if a person is deported, yet the information that's required to be provided to um, people going through this process is not written in layperson's terms and it may not be available in the person's language. The third major area of concerns we found related to um, immigration detention. So ICE typically detains asylum seekers in inappropriate prison-like conditions, in many cases, even after um, the person has been found to uh, have a credible fear of return and able to pursue a an asylum claim. And then the fourth has to do with the overall process, which as you've heard is very complicated involving you know, multiple entities of the US government. So this process has consistently been hampered by backlogs, funding disparities among the involved agencies and a lack of high level oversight and coordination, meaning that its implementation is often um, not as, as smooth as intended or one would like. So obviously owning to these uh, shortcomings and flaws that, that uh, USERF observed over the years, uh, what are some of the key recommendations that USERF has made to improve the processing and detention of asylum seekers in, in expedited removal? And, and have any of these recommendations been implemented to date? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, in these various reports, USERF has made a number of, of specific recommendations, some of which have been implemented and, and, and some not. So in terms of first, the ones that remain unimplemented, um, the, 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 major, um, uh, the major points that, that, that have not been addressed, um, uh, one is that CBP should video record the initial interviews that they do with migrants and asylum seekers and require supervisors and headquarters review of a sampling of those recordings for quality control purpose. We've also recommended, but CBP has not implemented, retraining officers on their role in the expedited removal process, on proper interviewing techniques, and on how to interact appropriately with vulnerable asylum seekers, another, another one that, that we have, have not, not seen um, implemented yet. Um, third, for CBP, we've, we've urged CBP to provide all non-citizens with a, with a brief document that clearly explains the process, its consequences, and the right to seek protection in a language that the person understands. 
in, in terms of unimplemented recommendations for ICE, um, we've urged um, that ICE should expand the use of civil detention facilities to detain asylum seekers rather than penal detention facilities and should increase the use of alternatives to detention. We've seen some moves on that over the over the years, um, but but not enough. Um, finally, for with respect to the process overall, we've urged um, DHS to appoint a high ranking official to coordinate expedited removal and oversee reforms. And for Congress, um, uh, one that's remained unimplemented is um, we've urged Congress to authorize another independent comprehensive study of the treatment of asylum seekers in expedited removal. On a more positive note, a number of recommendations have been implemented um, by, by various of the agencies involved in this over the years. So for example, um, USIS um, changed its review process for credi its credible fear determinations to make both positive and negative um, determinations subject to the same review. This was, this was pursuant to a recommendation that the 2005 study had found that the agency was um, giving negative credible fear determinations a more onerous review, which could have had the un unintended consequence of encouraging positive determinations. Um, we also made recommendations around um, immigration judge training that EOIR, the, the DOJ, um, Executive Office of Immigration Review, um, uh, did, did implement and it, and, and it also expanded program, its programs to provide information to detained asylum seekers. Um, ICE, the, the agency that detains asylum seekers, also made some progress over the years, um, uh, consistent with um, USERF's recommendations, including um, uh, developing training modules for ICE personnel on cultural awareness and asylum issues, and um, at times making some detention reforms that reduced the use of penal facilities to detain asylum seekers. Although in follow-up research, we have found that there are still many um, penal-like facilities that that are being used. So, so some good positive steps, but a lot still to be done. Um, what changes then to expedite removal would, uh, are, uh, is USERF recommending as the Biden administration resumes using it more extensively uh, once that Title 42 order is lifted that we saw go into effect uh, during the coronavirus pandemic? Well, recently, the Biden administration announced plans um, to allow USIS asylum officers to grant asylum in the expedited removal process, rather than having to refer all cases to immigration judges. So this is a recommendation that USERF has been making since the 2005 um, study. So we, we definitely welcomed that move um, as expedited removal is, is resumed. Um, asylum officers are experts in, in country conditions and in, in, in US asylum law, highly trained to do this work, and, um, and they already adjudicate asylum cases in what's known as the affirmative asylum process, which is, which is for those people who, are, who apply for asylum who are already within the United States. Um, so, so this has been a, a longstanding recommendation of, of, of USERF and other entities um, and is a way to help speed the resolution of cases um, and reduce backlogs in the, in the immigration courts. So, so that um, is a recommendation that is, is, has recently been announced and, and is being implemented. Um, relatedly, um, we would still like to see Congress increase the funding for um, USCIS and EOIR. Um, so that those two agencies, which are the ones that adjudicate cases, 
um, can keep pace with the increased number of apprehensions at the border. Um, over the years, the the, the funding um, uh, disparities have 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 led to um, USIS and EOIR having trouble keeping up with the pace of apprehensions at the border. So increased funding would allow um, speedier processing and decisions on asylum claims. Um, we also still would like to see the implementation of some of the other longstanding recommendations I mentioned earlier, especially the ones related to um, better quality control uh, of CBP's interviewing process um, and practices, um, enhanced training for CBP officials, and clearer information from CBP for non-citizens in the expedited removal process. We also still would like to see DHS appoint a high-ranking official um, uh, at DHS with the authority and resources to oversee the expedited removal process and make reforms, um, especially given the, the sort of complicated and multi-agency nature of this, of this process. Um, and finally, we still would like to see Congress authorize another independent comprehensive study of expedited removal. The use of this process has greatly expanded since the time of USERF's first study in the early 2000s, um, and many of USERF's concerns have still not been addressed. This um, really raises a serious concern that even more asylum seekers are potentially at risk of being erroneously returned to um, situations where they may face persecution or torture. Well, we'll have to leave it right here, um, but certainly a lot still to be done. And, and I know that uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this and try to encourage this in, in the um, you know, months and, and years ahead, because there has been progress. We'd like to see more uh, here. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Elizabeth Cassidy for uh, discussing USERF's uh, findings and recommendations over many year period to, to uh, remind us of uh, where we stand on this process, uh, the treatment of asylum seekers and expedited removal. You can find USERF's various reports over the years on this issue on our website. As always, thanks for tuning in today and we'll see you next time on USERF Spotlight. To learn more about USERF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit usurf.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F dot gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USERF Spotlight.